The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. A lot to get to today here on a Monday. Uh, We, of course, are going to be doing our early line look ahead. Some of the thoughts, some of the point spreads that have already been released for uh, week 11 coming up this weekend. Uh, I want to pose some questions regarding a Big Ten team, not off to uh, the ideal start and certainly not at all what we thought was going to be close to expectations. Some uh, thoughts on the rankings and uh, staples of Monday. Uh, Mac locks, Mac locks. We've got two days, Tuesday, Mac, Wednesday, Mac. We'll be getting to our Mac locks later and the return of Knowles to go after, Mm. (laughs) after a tough performance, uh, against the pit Panthers, uh, all of that to come. But we begin with some very like fluid news. The, you know, we sit down on Mondays and, and with it being, the first day of availability. You've got a lot of regular teleconferences. It feels like a, a steady stream. And the last couple hours has just been an overwhelming amount of uh, disappointing headlines. There's some headlines. Some There's one. I've got one COVID note that's actually on the positive side. Um, but, I mean, so Mississippi State Auburn has been postponed due to an outbreak of COVID positives and the contact tracing at Mississippi State. Texas A&M has paused all football activities. Uh, LSU coach Ed Odron comes out and acknowledges that they are dealing with some COVID positives and some contact tracing. Ross Dellinger Sports Illustrated adds that it's tied to a Halloween party and that they are particularly thin at quarterback and defensive back because of all the contact tracing and quarantining. Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman has tested positive for COVID-19. I said I've got one positive so I can put it on. Wisconsin says they're on track, right? Hey, we might get to see the Wisconsin Badgers play against Michigan. Three-point favorites. We'll maybe discuss that a little bit later. <laughs> I don't, is that good news for Michigan, though? Because, uh, like, <laughs> Michigan a- would rather not face the potential of being one and three. Like, Michigan yeah. was really hoping for more contact tracing and positive tests to come out of the Wisconsin football program. Possibly. I, w- where are y'all at right now? I mean, this is it's accelerating quickly. Is this going to be the theme of November, or is this something that, uh, you know, based on the way the virus is behaving at this current time and, you know, the travel, like, were we just almost destined to have a, a week like this at some point in November? Yes. I mean, I, I think, like, we talked about it early in the year where I think, like, Danny talked, said it, and Barton said it, I, they're, you're, uh, I might be wrong, but your, your thoughts were we're going to start the season, but you guys were both questioning whether we'd be able to finish it. And I think this is kind of why, because we're getting to a point now where, you know, obviously in our realm of the world, we're seeing it happen with programs, but it's not just college football where this is happening. It's, it's starting to go up in a lot of places right now. And I think that it's only natural that college football teams are going to be coming down with it just like everybody else's. So I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to finish the season. I just think we're now facing a reality where 
most teams aren't going to be playing full seasons. Most conferences are going to have kind of weird looking standings at the end. And we're going to just be like, all right, who's, who's still left standing around at the end who can play in the playoff and some of these bowl games. Martin with the early Mike twirl early and he's the early in the podcast for the Mike twirl. I can tell, go ahead. I'll let you go. No, I, I, I mean, I don't have anything profound. I, I, I mean, this is, I mean, well, are you, so here's is, some speculation. Your, uh, your mistress co-host, Bud Elliott had just posed an interesting thought. He said, it takes a lot of discipline to follow all the protocols and as we start to get to a point where some players find themselves no longer being able to achieve the goals that they had at the beginning of the season, are are we going to see more? Like Ross Dellinger reports it was a Halloween party. What about the Halloween party is following the the recommendations of your coaches and of your you know local uh, you know team and county health officials? Like, are we going to see there being a case where um, the it is? tougher to ask or at least tougher to expect realistically that all of these players at all these programs are um, going to be maintaining some of the same discipline throughout the close of the season. What was y'all's Halloween party in college? What was it called? Was there like a big one? Halloween in Chapel Hill is bananas. It is like packed body to body. Uh, all the different fraternity houses that are all near each other all get bands. So it's just like Halloween and everyone just walks around to each other's parties. Yeah. So I was need, way too drunk to remember. <laughs> we didn't need a name. We yeah. Got, right. We yeah. Y'all, 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 you know, we called it, we called it Friday. That's what we called it. <laughs> yeah. Well, ours was Mortician's Ball. It was Mortician's Ball. It was Deke put it on. And I mean... I, I was going to get to Mortician's Ball, and <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what like. I mean, you got to really love football to be sitting here at like, you know, one and four or something, or zero oh and two, or one oh and one, or one oh th- whatever it is, and be willing to just sit out Halloween, and that's the expectation. I get it. Like that's what you have to do, and you're that you're called on that by your teammates to do that, but. I'm like, there are human beings on the LSU team. They are, they are human beings that are having a really disappointing year. And they're probably human beings that are backups that aren't even playing. And we've talked about this like uh, already, like in the summer in advance of the season, the, the challenges of keeping everybody disciplined and everybody in check, especially as the season wears on and Halloween brother, that's a big weekend to try to get through when everybody's healthy. And so color me shocked that we've got Halloween fallouts uh, a week later. Um, that's, that is just, that's going to be life, man. It's not one thing, right? It's all of the things Tom pointed out. Hey, national cases are up. Yep. Uh, Chip said, Hey, the length of the season. Yep. Barton said it's Halloween. Like, it's all of this combined. I don't know about you guys. I mean, and, and I think it's, we're putting more names to it, right? I mean, you, we, and, it's, and we've already had names, and then no Nick Saban was false positive, whatever, but you had Trevor Lawrence. But now all of a sudden you're seeing more names that are recognizable. Uh, so I think it kind of resonates a little bit more. What I think it's going to come down to, because I, I, and I firmly believed that if you really wanted to have the truest sense of a close to a normal season with a champ, uh, you know, a conference champion selection process, fourteen playoff that was close to normal, that even the team, even the conferences that did have bye weeks, were going to need more bye weeks. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's going to come down to how bad does ESPN and the college football playoff? How bad do they want to stick to January first? And January, was it 13th? 11th. 11th for the Monday, you know, for that Monday national champion. My hunch is they don't want to come off of it, right? They'll sacrifice some games here and there. But what happens if it's, you know, some more crucial games? What if it's Ohio State that has a, a problem? What if it's, uh, you know, a championship game? I, I just, I, I think that would have been the smarter thing to do so you didn't have to press forward so bad. Trust me, I love that we're playing college football. I love it. I think they can do it. I think they can manage it. I think they're doing it right by getting all these guys separated and shutting down programs. But it's going to impact the season, you know, and it's just um, how bad you want to plow through and stick to those dates, I think are going to be 
that's kind of going to be the only thing. I think we finish. I think, you know, there's going to be games that are going to get canceled, but how much of a shell of a season are we really going to see? Are we, go ahead. I was just saying, and I do think that, and I doubt, I doubt it'll happen. Maybe it will. I do think that they should really seriously, strongly consider not allowing fans back in any stadiums the rest of the season. Because especially like what we saw at the end of the Notre Dame Clemson game. What? How does that happen? Like how, like how do like if, especially if Brian Kelly warned his team beforehand, Hey, let everybody get off the field. They're going to storm the field. I don't know. How about tell instead of telling your team, tell the, tell the security, yeah. tell yeah. the stands, tell the fans. But like th- if you were that confident, why not just like, I get it. I mean, I've, I've been in there. They're awesome. But why couldn't that have been prevented? Like, I, don't, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. That's that was kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, because I feel I, I don't know what kind of impact having people in the stands is actually going to have as far as, you know, the virus spreading to players or any of that. I don't know. But I just think that at the minimum, at least if there is any risk, if you're trying to get as many games in as possible at this point, you should probably just take that step, take the financial hit. I know it's going to suck in that area, and it's but it's already kind of sucked for a lot of schools. And I just think that's like at a bare minimum, one tiny step you could take at this point to maybe increase your odds of getting the rest of this season in completely. Yeah, the security staff was like, come on, I'm ready to see Chappelle start SNL. Let's get <laughs> out of here. Let's just, what is going on? Why is this so delayed right now? No, it's... I, I, I agree the look was one thing, but the I kept going in my mind to those games that are so big and intense when they get to overtime too. It just, it feels, uh, my experience, obviously not playing in, in any of them, but my experience of being at games like that, time just starts slipping away from you. Like the game starts moving a little bit quicker than you can even keep up with. And so, you know, not the, uh, not, it was, it was a it was a thing, yeah. Notre Dame, it, and then uh, Notre Dame's president, right, uh, had coronavirus yeah. earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And he came out with a little finger wag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of to make sure everybody knows they're yeah. not acceptable. That we had one uh, where we were on the other side of the the field rush after the game, and I'm telling you, we went back and watched like the coaches' tape. And that we had dudes wrecking fans like, oh, you just want to get out of there, right? And I'm telling you, like, clothesline, dudes, like, getting wrecked because it was a free-for-all. Virginia fans were coming off. It was 95. We were no more in the country. And I remember, like, we were laughing because dudes were just like, and you're, you keep your helmet on. And you just beeline for the locker room. If anybody's in your way, they're going to have a 300-pound defensive lineman just truck them. And I don't even think the fans cared at that point. They were probably like, this is awesome. Now, okay, so you got to pop champagne with Notre Dame winning the twenty nine yes, exactly. twenty nine consecutive you guys on our money, money line sprinkle. <laughs> that was it. We kept the streak alive. So thankfully, uh, so I wasn't completely the goat in that one. So we're still uh, hanging on by a thread. So it'll be some time before uh, that gets broken again. But how about there's a lot of correlations this season with that one because I as soon as that game finished, I think I texted you guys. Hey, Notre Dame, monumental win. And they kept flashing back to the last time they beat Florida State and Charlie Ward was there. I was the backup. And uh, the next week, sure enough, Boston College shocked the world <laughs> and it bought us another chance. And we five. And that was probably – there were two celebrations at Burt Reynolds' dorm. I think we, we must have been off that week because we were all hanging out. Or, or we had – I forget what it was. We were watching the game, though. Because in Burt Reynolds Hall, it was like a U-shape, and there was a pool in the middle. And as soon as BC hit the kick, and the guy still lives in Avon, Connecticut, which is where I lived in when I was up at uh, working for ESPN. When the dude hit the kick, all of a sudden, the dorm room's empty out. Everybody's like celebrating, like, woo! Like, you just hear an uproar from the whole dorm. That and when OJ got off. Those were the two times there was a massive <laughs> celebration at Burt Reynolds Hall. Like, those were the two moments I remember the most about celebrating out with your guys. All right. Uh, so I mentioned Wisconsin is on track for a return to the field against Michigan. Like, do we have high expectations for the Badgers? Like, how how do we start to even approach um, a Michigan team that's totally reeling, a Wisconsin team that's had players in quarantine and not in action and, and trying to get people back on the field? That is a, a massive game on its face. Wisconsin against Michigan, going to be one of the biggest games of the Big Ten schedule. How, how do we start to prepare for that one? I don't know. I, I it we don't know who's playing quarterback for Wisconsin at this point because Mertz. I still think he has to be out for at least another week, right? Because it's twenty one days and it's been fourteen since 
that went down. Uh, Remember he was on Friday night? Wasn't there a thought that the count from that Friday night game would have him eligible for Michigan. I think that was maybe. the scenario that possibly could see him back for this game. So so maybe Mertz is back then, but we I don't know if he's practicing. That's the thing. I don't know if he's allowed to be with the team. So even if he's eligible, are they going to want to start him against Michigan? And then on the Michigan side of it, like defensively, they haven't had a pass rush and they can't cover anybody in the secondary but is that if without Mertz if Mertz isn't playing is that really going to be a problem against Wisconsin but at the same time now Michigan's also lost who I think is its best defensive lineman for the rest of the season and Aiden Hutchinson so I'm looking at this game I am not gonna it's not gonna be on a locks it's not gonna be in anything for me I'm just gonna be like all right I, I'm gonna have to watch it and see it because I have no idea what to expect if there's one team that I don't want to play right now if I'm Michigan, it's Wisconsin. Like I don't care if they're coming off COVID. I don't care if they're coming off a bye. I don't care if they're coming off a big upset, loss, win, whatever you want to say. Like I, I don't really want anything to do with Wisconsin right now Like as a program because this is a Michigan team that's just – in, I mean, just what do you what do we even expect out of them? What do we even like? What what can we be have, have confidence in right now? And Wisconsin's just such a steady punch in the face, um, and every game is going to be hard earned when you're playing them. And so, uh, I mean, we don't know. I mean, the Big Ten has probably been the most volatile conference in college football through the first how many weeks? Three weeks in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there have been some bonkers results. So I, I'm certainly not making any predictions, but I tell you, I'm not playing. I don't care what the number is. I'm not playing Michigan. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Kind of to Barton's point, like, did anybody see Indiana off to a 3-0 and start and Penn State off to an 0-3 start? Maybe Barton had Northwestern at 3-0, and his guy, Peyton Ramsey there. Uh, you know, but Minnesota at 1-2. You know, it's just, it's been by far the wildest, wackiest conference so i would say any game i predict i would say this what te- if you're michigan what team would you want to face i they don't like mm-hmm. I, you wouldn't want to play Rutgers even because if you lost to Rutgers, illinois that's more embarrassing you know yeah illinois would have to be it that would have to be it that'd be the one team okay but everybody else like i don't want yeah, i wouldn't i wouldn't feel great if i was michigan i'm glad you mentioned penn state because i, I wanted to dig into this i got to know what's happening like what we did a pause or at least sort of like a, an instant overreaction when the SEC started late. We were a couple weeks in and we were looking at LSU. We're like, okay, so how, how bad is it? You know, it's, is this just a, you know, a, a microcosm? Is this a, a, an all, a bad start? Can LSU respond to this? You know, I think that for Penn State, the questions are even stronger. Is the season lost already through three weeks? Do they bounce back? Are they going to be able to run off like five straight wins the rest of the way? I mean, there's Michigan's looking down, so suddenly it looks like winning in the big house might not be the same daunting task that it was uh, when we were doing our Big Ten win totals. Like, what are the issues at Penn State right now, and are they fixable? Do you guys remember before the Ohio State game, Sean Clifford was asked, like, so do you think that this is a – an opportunity for you guys to prove that you can play with anyone in the country. And Clifford was like, like opportunity to prove, we know we can play with anyone in the country. Like we're, this is, we, we play, we live for these kind of games. Like this is, we, we, we absolutely can. Like, so the, the idea that we're, you know, two weeks removed from that to now we're like, is this season a loss? Is this, you know, is this like, I mean, obviously James Franklin in on the hot seat, but like, Whatever people are, people are like, oh, what's wrong with James Franklin? I, I think that this is such an interesting case of they they still like two zero oh, and two was not a bad zero oh, and two. That's what made this week so weird. It really wasn't a bad zero oh, and two. It was a competitive oh, game against Ohio State. It was a uh, it was a, a a really like they were clearly the better team against Indiana. They just lost. Yep. And then and then Maryland rolls around and just absolutely eats their lunch. And that's why – and so I think what happened there is, okay, this is a team that had – you know, they're probably talking about the playoffs in, in, during summer training. You know, they're probably – conditioning drills are about, like, we're, we're winning a Big Ten championship, we're getting the playoffs, and now they start 0-2. And there, I do think there has to be some level of, of quit in there that we saw against Maryland. Like, what do we why, – why do we care anymore? 
Um, mm. and, and I think we talked about it on the reaction pod. Uh, maybe we didn't, maybe I mentioned on Barton and Bud, but Jahan Dotson had a whole like flurry of quotes where he was basically calling out his teammates being like, there's, we got problems in this locker room right now and guys got to get by it, bought in and decide they're, they're here to play or not. But I just think that that's the, we're, we're in like bowl season right now. Every game is bowl season. We, it's time to start identifying motivations between these teams. And Penn State just lost a lot of motivation in those first two weeks. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge to see if they can get it back. I mean, to yeah, be fair, I, they did play pretty well against Indiana. I mean, they, that's they, what I'm they saying. talked a lot about that. And I'm with you. Like you, And there are certain programs. I mean, I, I think, too, maybe start seeing more opt-outs you know, sooner rather than later of guys that just say, you know what, I'm going to next year. You don't lose a year of eligibility. So guys are kind of maybe coasting. I think it's really – think about it, too. For the bowl mentality, your job as the coach is to just get them fired up for the one game, right? And you can kind of sell that. Imagine selling Penn State players on the rest of the season. You know, like that is – that is going to be a grind for James Franklin. I think James Franklin is kind of lucky right now that all, you know, most of the d- uh, conversation is around Jim Harbaugh, like, hey, because Michigan's been so bad and, uh, bad and he's been more, a little bit more polarizing and it's his hot seat. But James Franklin just kind of fun. And I'm not saying it's time to fire him, but I think that's kind of a, probably a good thing for James Franklin that Michigan is struggling as poorly as they are uh, while he's having the same fate. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I I do worry that the Maryland loss is a killer along the lines of what you guys are talking about, which is like the mental state of this team going forward. Because like you said, the Indiana loss, all right, throw that one out. We played better. We just screwed up at the end, blah, blah, blah. Ohio State, okay, fine. But then losing to Maryland makes you wonder where they stand. And I do think that it's, we shouldn't overlook the impact of losing like Journey Brown and Noah Kane just like right away to start the season as head on that offense. Because I think, you know, you go into the season, like you're Kirk Shiraka, you're coming in, it's your first year as an offensive coordinator. You're game planning and you're building your offense around the idea of having those two. And then they're suddenly gone. And now you've got to be a little bit more reliant on Sean Clifford than you probably wanted to be. And the guys that you've had so far for stepping in haven't been great. Offensive, you know, success rate in the run game, Penn State ranks 97th nationally. They're not really getting a ton before contact, which tells me that, you know, the offensive line is struggling to get pushed for these guys and the backs are struggling to, you know, make make yardage on their own. And it's really hard offensively to move the ball consistently if you're Penn State, if you can't run the ball that well, especially if Sean Clifford is your quarterback, because he's not a quarterback that you could just say, all right, go win us some games. He, he's a good complimentary quarterback to have for a good offense if you have a run game. So I think if you look at the rest of their schedule, there's not a game on it where you're like, oh, they can't win that game. Like they, they could beat Nebraska this week. They could beat Iowa, Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State. It's just, it's going to depend how bought in it's on how bought in they are. Because if these guys are just checking out then yeah this season could get really 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 ugly and that's going to be james franklin's biggest challenge is keeping this team motivated to keep playing when there's no big 10 to east to play for no big 10 title no playoff no nothing but just pride at this point here's the other thing with this year too is like you're just when you're just rattling off their schedule i mean hell yeah they could lose they could lose a lot of these games yeah and and the and like the weird thing about this year and we sh- like we knew this was going to happen like we knew there was going to be some off the wall bad records that just were were um kind of odd to the eye to see 2 and you know, 6 Penn State when we're going into Big 10 Championship week and Penn State is 2 and 6 that is going to be very very odd and and you can sort of say like I mean this obviously it's going to go down in the you know in the Penn State record books whatever the record ends up being but let's just say it's two and six Penn State and like that's going to be a really bad look on the James Franklin you know Wikipedia page but it is just it's just like it's just a weird year and that that record like as as much as we're going to be inclined and this isn't even directed at James Franklin because again he's not on the hot seat. But we're going to be inclined to fire a lot of these coaches as these records start to pop up, and it it, it that's fine. We're going to talk about it. We should. It's it's okay for the for the pressure to be on those guys. But the the reality is, as a decision maker, you got to take a step back because Penn State doesn't get the sort of 
or anybody who you're talking about, you know, they don't get the couple of games to lick their wounds by beating Ball State and, uh, you know, I don't know, um, San Jose State or something. Like, they don't have those games built in on the schedule like they typically do to where you get your four non-conference wins and, you know, you, you ease into things. Like, no, like this is all – it's sink or swim from the jump here. And, uh, and, and suddenly there's a ton of coaches that really sh- sort of on the surface do belong on the hot seat, but I still think almost none of them are actually going to get fired. I mean, think about where eight and four, you know, is a, you know, it's a down year, but it's not a disaster year. Like in, lot, in those four non-conference, like in those, if, right. if three of them are cupcakes, you know, and then there's maybe one that's a good opponent that you get, like that's four and four, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a completely different vibe and reaction and look. And yet that's the reality of what we're seeing in a lot of these schools. So I think that's going to be a really big adjustment. But I think, I would think, I don't, clearly fan bases are emotional. They're passionate. They want to see success, of course. But you would think that athletic directors, university presidents would be able to realize that too. Like, I do think this is just kind of one big pass year for most people, except for maybe Jim Harbaugh. Because I think the other element to the, the a decision to fire a coach is, is not as much about it. There is, it is about, you know, your, your revenue right now in these weird times in, in COVID era and just not having the budget and, and not having the resources to buy a coach out. But even more than that, it's the optics of we're going to pay $30 million to get rid of this staff. And we just let go, you know, furloughed a bunch of our athletic department employees. Like it's sort of, I think that's going to probably make some ADs hesitate a little bit as well. But Hey, you know what it's going to mean honestly is probably a 2021 coaching carousel. That is just one for the ages. Like, cause everyone's going to be, yeah. everyone's going to be like penciled in fired. But oh, the hot season seat, even starts. Hot seat 2021 is just going to be like it is going to be um, more interesting than what's happening on the field. Like that's all of our angles going into every single week. Loser gets fired. Like a classic Gus Malzahn, Les Miles showdown where it's two men enter, one leaves. We'll be having that every other week uh, in the 2021 season. You know what's going to be fascinating too? I was actually I was at dinner last night with my nephew. He's uh. He's a basketball player. He's getting recruited by a lot of schools. He's 6'10". So he's getting like big time power five offers. And my sister was really frustrated because he can't go on visits. She's like, how do you like recruiting? We'll have to do that another time. But I'm just like the whole recruiting aspect is one other layer to the COVID-19 where you can't take visits on campus to get in touch with your team. It's just, there's so many things that there's going to be so many layers to this and so much, so many ramifications that, we don't even think about sometimes they're just going to, they're going to trickle down and you're going to see all of that unfold. So I was uh, texting with the coach um, here recently um, and he was sort of talking about, like we were going back and forth about some options for this, a position that they need. Right. And he was like, Oh, I like, I really like this guy. And he's like a, uh, an in-state like slot corner. Right. And he's, uh, and I'm this, I mean, he was, he was just like, I like this guy. Not sure how big uh, he is. Really no idea. He's, he's an in-state cornerback at a, like, and he, then this coach has no idea how big he is, you know? And, and that's just that uh, typically you got everything on everybody in your, in your backyard because they've all visited. They've all, um, you know, like they've, they've, so like there's going to be coach that you've, not only visited in the spring, but they visited during the season. They've come to games. They've measured in probably five different times. And you've all gone to, you've gone to see him and you've right. gone to, and it's, you're not having to rely on the huddle tape that somebody taped from the top row at the high school football stadium. If that state is even playing high school football right, right now. Right. So it's just a, it's just a crazy to think about who, what, you know, what players, coaches are going to end up taking. Um, oh, there's going to be and, some whiffs. There's going to be some big time mistakes in this cycle. For sure. Yeah. Cause they have no idea. I talked to, um, uh, an Ivy league coach who was like, uh, yeah, we got a, you know, there, there's a couple guys in, in Europe, you know, we're, we're, we're liking or look or looking at or talking whatever. And I was just sort of laughing. Like 
you probably got as good an idea like what these guys are as you do in your home state because you know they may be thousands of tens of thousands of miles away or whatever it is but you know there's nothing there's nothing you don't know anymore on the on the backyard guy as you do over there it's funny we've been telling you about it it's about to open up we're sitting here on monday and that means that starting tomorrow on tuesday I can start filling out entries for the college pickup. Now, I believe that officially we are ineligible to win the guaranteed $1,000 that are given away uh, by CBSSports.com every week to winners of the college pick'em. But our locks, which you can get from Thursday's locks episode, will certainly be hitting on those games because every single week, starting Tuesday until noon on Saturday, the contest is open. You get to it by going to CBSSports.com slash college. You'll see the biggest college football games of the week right there, and you pick them against the spread just open it up pick your winners and then boom submit it you're in the running to give away to get some of the thousand dollars that's being given away to the winners of the contest every single week again the contest opens every tuesday closes at noon on saturday it is the biggest college football games of that saturday pick them against the spread just click 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 hit submit cbssports.com slash college it costs nothing to enter and you get a chance to win some money. So come on in, bring all the information that you've got, the takes, the insider angles, and put it to good use and get yourself some money. The college, pick them at cbssports.com slash college. Speaking of, on the other side, we start to look ahead to the biggest lines and the most interesting lines for week 11, plus Mac Locks and the return of Knowles to go next The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So uh, as we mentioned... Wisconsin, Michigan, we're probably not touching. Um, has everybody put in a max bet on Boston College plus 13 and a half <laughs> now that we know not only the historical significance, but the fact that this is the red bandana game? And I mean, if it's just, you know, you came this close against Clemson, right? And now you're going to get Notre Dame and you're going to get Notre Dame in Chestnut Hill. I, I mean, I, I would. Max bet 13 and a half and, and sprinkle that money line, right? And Boston College barely beat Syracuse last week. Oh, so, yeah. So you know There's what they play. were doing. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> all they're doing is just trying to get that line a little smaller. Is everybody, I mean, is this, is this already, like, should we just queue up the, a lock infinity for Thursday or is somebody going to get cold know. feet? Uh, I, I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I got to think about it. I had a bad week this week. I mean, I, was, I think I was only down one. But um, going with the gut, I feel like I got a little lazy. So just because <laughs> it sounds right, I'm going to make sure my, my numbers r- agree. There's something, I don't know. I, I like what Brian Kelly's doing. I get the hangover game. I don't know. I, I don't know. I got to give it some thought too. I don't know if you jump in on it early or not. Okay. Well, speaking I of, see what transpires. Speaking of hangover game, I've also got uh, a lot of interest in that Florida minus 17. Now Arkansas dealing with, you know, Sam Pittman testing positive for COVID. So you've got a little bit of disruption on the coaching side, Arkansas though. I mean, they're coming off beat, just dumping Tennessee 17, too many points. We don't know the status of Kyle Pitts. You know, is Kyle Trask enough? Like is is has he shown us 
that it, it is a quarterback thing and not just a Dan Mullen thing or not just a wide receiver thing that this is, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, Coca. It is also the Felipe Frank's revenge game. This is the, this is a, this is a former QB revenge weekend. Oh Felipe my Frank's revenge against Florida and Phil Dracovic revenge against Notre Dame. Ooh. No. Arkansas is scary because I think they're playing with house money, which really frees you up to just go out there and just cut it loose. Like, hey, we're supposed to get beat. Like, and that's I think that's why they've had so much success. Like after they get that first one out. Um, but I think the COVID thing, I gotta figure out what's going on, how many players are gonna be out. That scares me because Florida already had theirs, right? They they shut down. They got, you know, they got that kind of, you know, you, you would think, I don't know. I don't know. LSU proves that you can't do that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Coach, Coach O came uh, out and said, point. we're good. Everybody's got it. Now all of a sudden it looks like a game might get canceled. Maybe we'll see, you know, monitoring the situation. And, and the other thing too with Arkansas is like Pittman won't be there, but they do have another just previous head coach who was coaching at Mizzou last year who's going to be on the side and taking over so I don't know how much of an impact Pittman not being there will be although maybe emotionally Sam you know Barry can't fire him up quite as well as Sam can the other thing too when you were asking about Kyle Pitts is I don't know the exact do they only get six points after he left I know he left kind of earlier they get because you know, the six points did in the second struggle, half yeah. versus Georgia, like was it did look like, oh my goodness, this does look different. Um, but I think that I think that was more expected. You had a lead; they got a little bit more conservative, which is completely understandable. So, but I think I, my early hunch is that line is is probably too big. I kind of like Arkansas in that spot Cons- mm-hmm. if they're all healthy. Where is Kyle Trask in the? In the in the quarterback discussion, not like NFL stuff, but just in college right now, how much confidence do you have in him? He's top five. I mean, He's top three. I'm trying to find out who you can make that argument for sure, but I think that I mean, obviously, Trevor, Justin, Trask, Mac, Mac, and I don't know DJ Uyunglele. He's <laughs> right? out there That's throwing two to the five <laughs> yards. It's like. Yeah, Kadon Slovis, I think, could be in that conversation, but again, he's only played the one game. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. So I, I think that you have to have Trask in your top top five. I think, like Danny said, if you want to put him in your top three, there's sir. Oh, Zach Wilson, can't forget Zach Wilson. Mm. So I, I think that there is an argument to be made for that. Yeah, I don't think he's the best, but I think that if you look at Trevor and Justin and say, all right, that's the elite tier of quarterbacks. They're in a world of their own right now then Trask is certainly in the argument for just below the elite. Do you see uh, if there's a string of performances like what we saw on Friday night, can Derek King come back and put himself into that conversation? He was on one against NC State. He He was. He was awesome. And I think think he's a very good quarterback. I just... Next year. Yeah, that like that was one of the cases because his problem all year, like they they talked about it during the broadcast too, has been accuracy and in, in throws down the field, and that was there against NC State. He was making some throws that are great. If he could start consistently doing that, then oh god, yeah, he's going to climb up those power rankings really quickly. It's just I want to see him do it two weeks in a row. So, do you guys see what is uh, on Miami's schedule? Because they are going to Blacksburg. It's not so, FIU, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> they're going to Blacksburg to play a reeling Virginia Tech team, uh, and Virginia Tech is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That is a top-ten team on the road, and Virginia Tech is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, Khalil Herbert did leave the game. That's uh, Virginia Tech's best running back, one of the nation's leading rushers. He left the game against Liberty early, but Virginia Tech's offense still was able to get going, and Khalil Herbert being there you know, isn't going to – reverse the galaxy brain decisions from Justin Fuente to give up free access yards on a fourth and six and give them a first down so they can move up and kick a, a shorter field goal or the that your ice the kicker timeout reverse what would have been a walk-off field goal block return. Uh, that is, by the way, Virginia Tech's second loss as a double-digit favorite second outright loss as a double-digit favorite, and it's happened five times in the Justin Fuente era? Mm. No, I don't know, man. Narrative Problem. goal. Yeah, like, like I, at one hand, there's like the Danny 
uh, alarm bells. Like totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Danny <laughs> alarm bells go Wait off. Wait a second. <laughs> How can this be? Miami looks great. They're coming off this unbelievable with 11 guys out. Derek King puts the team on his back. Like everything screams Miami's the better team. They're only a one-loss team. They're higher ranked. But man, this is where those odds makers get you, and they just beg you. They're just saying, "Go ahead." And so, you like the the, the Danny Cannell philosophy would say, "Take Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech." Although, even in this one, I don't know. I'll have to see if I have the balls to do it. Because as we sit here today, I still like Miami in this one. Yeah, I, I think what it is is that like Miami's won three straight since that Clemson loss, but the record is kind of overshadowing like the actual performance of the team because the week after Clemson, they beat Pitt 31, 19, but then it was a kind of a close, ugly win. Like what was it? 19 to 14 against yep. Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then NC state, they just gave up 40 something points to a team led by Bailey Hockman and barely got out of there with a win. I just, they're, they're winning games and darn it. Nobody could take that away from them and <laughs> that you'll take them any way you can get it. It's just, they have not been impressive in their wins and they're just now, I think like, yeah, they're in the top 10, but I think Miami has now taken that place where every single week we've got one team that's in the top 10 where you're like, yeah, but that's 2020. That's not really top 10. And I think Miami's kind of taking that mantle this week. Mm. Anything on the board stand out to y'all? I mean, there's nothing that crazy. Like it's Penn state is a three and a half point favorite on the road against Nebraska still. So like obviously Vegas hasn't completely given up on them, but there's, there's nothing outside of what we've talked about. That's kind of, re- how about the, all right. Ohio state is a 25 point favorite on the road against Maryland. Ohio state. Not even, not even a little bit wondering if maybe Maryland is the call here. If Maryland's the call, then over is the play. And I would take that. And that's because, I mean, Talia just shredded Penn state's defense. I don't know if that was like an effort of uh, an effort issue or a quit issue or how bad do you want to be here? Because the losses of journey Brown and Noah Kane and some of the offensive struggles, I feel like those are sensible, but that that's still a really talented defense and Tugavailoa picked them apart. And so it might be uh, a Maryland thing, but if so, then I think that I'd be taking the over thinking that he's going to hit enough explosive plays through the passing game that combined with Justin Fields and Ohio state, it's just a point explosion. All right. Well, you mentioned the over, where did it go? What if I told you the total for this game is currently 72 and a half Barton. Hmm. Wouldn't take the under. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you that, Sergeant General. What's the what? Do, what do your spies tell you about that one? I mean, that. To be honest with you, that looks kind of tasty. I mean, <laughs> Ohio State's going to score fifty. Yeah. What did what did what did uh, uh, Rutgers just put up on them? Like twenty seven or something? Yeah, but again, that was friendly game. Friendly game. Yes, you did point that out. Um, well, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, Ryan Day is just such a nice guy. <laughs> he's got, he's just he's apologized. He's our, he apologized to Scott Frost for running up on him. He's you know sweetheart to Greg Schiano. What's you know what's he gonna? Why does he want to do anything to Mike Loxley? Everyone likes Mike Loxley except for Josh Gaddis. Do you think? Do you think nice guy Ryan Day has a mean guy alter ego that he calls Ryan Knight? Like he just puts on some sunglasses and he's like, "I'm Ryan Knight now." I don't know. I don't know. That's we'll see if Ryan Knight comes out this weekend. But uh, uh, that over that looks nice. The closest thing we got was his passive aggressive statements when the Big Ten first canceled. You know, when he was sort of coming out there and really trying to like reverse the course, or maybe it was right before the Big Ten officially canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has, who's he gotten a little spicy with? Uh, I feel like there was. Who, Ryan Day? Yeah. Well, it was Harbaugh. Remember they had the call? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. On, yeah, and they were both. Yeah, he doesn't like chippy. Harbaugh. <laughs> no, and that's, that's and that's ingrained in him. You know, he had yeah. to like go through like a, when he got to Ohio State, they probably put him in some sort of brainwashed programming system where like, you just make sure they know you're not allowed to like these guys. Um, yeah, he's so. from New Hampshire. He doesn't have any of that like built-in 
Harbaugh and Michigan hate that he had to go through re-education classes. That's probably why he was stunned. Like Harbaugh's trying him on the call. He's like, wait a second. I'm like, I don't hate you. Like, but all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, I have to. And he didn't like it and tried either. What do you do with uh so this would be a total COVID play? Like, man, if you had any kind of information on the ground, but AM, Texas AM versus Tennessee opened as 13. You get the Texas AM news. It's bet it's down at seven and a half. I think if this game play, gets played, which is probably seriously in doubt, I would have no problem takes the Texas A&M laying seven and a half and just saying whoever they got will yeah. be better. <laughs> you know, like, like just roll it out there. They're playing. I think they are. I think they've got like that carrot that you can dangle up, like, hey, you guys could be that one lost team in the playoff. Like, and, and that's a very good motivating factor. You know, we're talking about all these distractions. Guys get complacent. They are dialed in. How do you think Tennessee players are feeling right now after losing to Arkansas, blowing that lead? Like, I think, I think it's worth just taking early in the week. And if, you know, if Kellen Mond's out or whoever's out, I still like, I still think Texas, whoever's out for Texas A&M, I think their mindset alone is easily a touchdown better than, than Tennessee is. Yeah. Keep, and if it gets that- really sideways, the game gets canceled and you don't lose your money. Yeah, keep that number dropping. Like, let's yes. keep here. Keep give me all the announcements of uh, of of practice canceled. We can get for Texas A and M. I'll just that's just that's just helping out on the value because no. Are you no in confidence. a fade Tennessee place right now, Barton? Like, are you just in a blind, uh, or at least as a starting point? Maybe not as a blind bet, but at least like you will go into each Tennessee game looking to at least fade them. I think it. I mean, I just think that this Matt like we just watched like look South Carolina they kind of quit in that game uh against Texas A&M this past weekend but they had so they had 53 offensive plays did South Carolina on 49 percent of those plays they had either uh no yards or negative yards 10 tackles for loss on 53 plays two interceptions like 14 incomplete passes, like every other play was a bad thing that happened. And that's not, and I think that's, again, I'm, I'm blaming South Carolina as much on that as A&M, but I think that this matchup in particular to Danny's point is like, well, A&M's, they're, they're like actually kind of feeling good right now. They've, mm-hmm. they've turned, they, they sort of turned the corner. They've got a great defensive line. Tennessee, you're going to come at us with this like three yards in a cloud of dust, run, run, run stuff. Like, okay. Like, we're pretty good up front. Bobby Brown, DeMarvin Leal, like all these guys, we can handle that. Um, that, that. That plays into, like, they're, they're just trying to do the same thing. a and just more built for it. And so I just like that matchup as much as – I don't think I'm blindly fading Tennessee yet, though they're You're, getting closer to, the, to that point. Yeah. With the, I mean, that, that's, that Arkansas deal left a bad taste in my mouth given that that was one of my – I think I'm, that might have even been a two-unit play for me on, on my personal – on my personal uh, investments. Bankroll management, man. (laughs) Ride the wave. Speaking of like principles and things that we're just blindly doing in in this show, who's ready to trust Kentucky is a 17 point favorite against Vandy. (laughs) I might be just because I've, <laughs> I've been going against Vanderbilt. That's what I'm saying. Right? We're really testing your Vandy principles here, aren't we? <laughs> yes. This one does feel like an underplay. Like, I think it's only 42, 42 and a half. This mm. one to me screams under because I think, I think this will be ugly football. I think, I think it'll be gross, and I, I think it's a low-scoring affair. But I, I might have to take a shot and just lay the points, too, with Kentucky. <laughs> it's been bad. Although Ken Seals has been a bright spot there for uh, Vandy. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> he, had some, he had some turnovers against Mississippi State, too. Yeah. And those, and can, be, yeah, those can be a little hurtful for an they, under. They, like when all of a sudden, the, like, like you might not believe that Kentucky can go 80 yards down the field to score a touchdown, but if you give it to them at the 20, then all of a sudden yeah. you're making it a lot easier for the Wildcats to be able to score. Vandy outgained Mississippi State by like 200 yards. I don't know if I don't know if you guys caught that in the box score, but oh, um, they it was like like they held Mississippi State to like 230 yards. Like Mississippi State's offense is, I mean, I don't like that's that, that's the worst. That's definitely the worst offense in the SEC. Um, and I think Mississippi State actually had a bunch of COVID issues as well, uh, so they were a little depleted. 
Yeah, Leach uh, said they were like one player away from not being able to play the game. Yeah. Crazy. So all right. Mac locks. Mac locks. Tuesday and Wednesday. Entire uh league is gonna be out there. Tuesday slate. Akron at Ohio, uh, Ohio, 27 and a half point favorite Kent state at Bowling green, Kent state, 20 and a half point favorite and Miami at Buffalo Barton's Buffalo bulls, nine and a half point home favorites. Wednesday gets Eastern Michigan at ball state Toledo at Western Michigan, central Michigan at Illinois. Uh, I've got three plays from the one, two for Tuesday and one for Wednesday. Uh, but where, where do y'all want to go first? I've got What's, three plays too. <laughs> uh, I got notes. I'm just taking notes from you guys. That's what I'm doing. Well, okay. Can we, do we want to start with uh, the Tuesday weather forecast in Bowling Green, Ohio? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> As of right now, the, the <laughs> forecast for Doit L. Perry Stadium in Bowling Green, Ohio calls for temperatures in the upper 60s and low 70s, windy. Oh. Mostly cloudy, but the winds are right now forecast to be between 18 and 24 miles per hour crosswinds. Oh, baby. We Mm. are on that wonder. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And also, I do like Kent State because I think uh, not just in a fade Bowling Green principal play, because you get to fade Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder, but also because I think Kent State's pretty good. They looked uh, very strong in the first week. So give me Kent State. My, I know it's 20 and a half. If it gets over 21, I'm not going to take it, but I'll take Kent State minus 20 and a half, and I'll also take the under 57. Kent minus 20, and I can get you under, I can get you 57 and a half. Yeah, let's go 57 and a half. <laughs> Right. Well, I am not on that under. Uh, I am on my first Mac lock. Sorry, Barton. I'm taking Miami of Ohio plus 10 points against the Bulls. Just getting wildly overrated against the, the defending Mac champions. Um, the Bulls did have like two or three defensive touchdowns last week. So that, that helps get that number out a little bit bit bigger than maybe it, it should have been uh, in terms of the final score. Um, but I'll, I'll go my, my one play of the weekend. Um, Only one. Yeah. I'm still of the week of the week, excuse me of the week. Um, I, you know, sometimes like it takes a couple years for a system to really like, catch hold and find traction like you know year one like everyone's still learning year two that's when things really start to take off um i am i'm leaning into that principle in playing kent state minus 20 and a half year two of brian van gorder is where we really see that defense (laughs) start to get really bad like there might have been some remnants of the previous staff in year one (laughs) <laughs> year two it's gonna get ugly uh i i think that first of all um the the, the score last year was 42 to 20 no 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 62 to 20 so it was a <laughs> it was a 42 point number last year and kent state only got better as the year progressed and kent state put up <clears throat> 750 yards on Green <laughs> last year so I don't know what's changed to make me think that they can somehow like keep this thing competitive. I don't care how much wind is blowing. Um, you know, I, Kent State may, may, may get the over on its own. So I'm, I'm going Kent State, laying the points, um, just back to my, my safe space of fading uh, Brian McGuire. Okay, is that it? I take a play? No, I've got two more plays. <laughs> okay, what you got? Danny, do you have any? I was going to take Central Michigan, take the uh, the fighting Jim McElwain's laying uh, seven and a half versus Northern Illinois. All right. would be my one play. But I was 0-2 last week in early action, so take it, take it for what it's worth. My final two plays of the week are, one, taking Chris Creighton and the Eastern Michigan Eagles plus nine and a half at Ball State. Ball State, I think, is a good team. I ha- I picked it last week against Miami of Ohio. They didn't get the win. They didn't get the cover. 
but I was impressed by what I saw from Eastern Michigan. They looked better than I anticipated after losing Mike Glass. So I'm going to take the Eagles to at least be able to cover that number against Ball State on the road. And then finally, I'm also going to that Central Michigan-Northern Illinois game. I'm taking the under 60 and a half because Northern Illinois' offense did not inspire the most confidence in me. So I, I think that Central Michigan is going to be able to get up early in that one, and it's probably just going to kind of coast in the second half there. So, yeah, the under 60 and a half. But the Eastern Michigan one, I am also on Eastern Michigan to keep it within a touchdown against Ball State. I don't know if they'll win outright, but I'll be tuned in on CBS Sports Network to find out. Reminder, you can watch all CBS Sports Network games through the CBS Sports app. All you need to do is log in through your cable provider. Danny, any pregame, halftime, or postgame from action on Wednesday night? No, no, not this week. Not till Friday. I'm Fridays. Friday squad. Okay. Yeah. Order for Danny. Order for Danny. All right, Knowles to go. It was not pretty. We had a reeling pit team. Best player is uh, opting out for the rest of the season. You know, you've got the Panthers have just gotten on this losing streak. And it appears as though traveling to Tallahassee was the best thing that Pitt could do. A 41-17 to win, second-half shutout. Uh, Florida State's defense gave up 127 yards to Jordan Addison. Kenny Pickett was back in the lineup. He was very productive. Danny, what's uh, how, how are we feeling? Not great. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be great, right? Um I got to watch this game a little bit closer. I just caught some of the box score and some of the highlights or lowlights, depends on which side you're coming from. I do feel like at this point, you are specifically building for the future. Like mm. it's just, you count the season as a wash. You play young guys. Is it fair to the upperclassmen? Probably not, but that's just a harsh reality of the situation. Now, if there are guys out there that are begging to play and you want to play them, you should. Um, but feel like the North Carolina win was really an a outstanding, you know, offensive game plan that caught North Carolina by surprise because here we go. There were a couple wrinkles in there with Jordan Travis throwing the football. But now that they've showed those wrinkles, I think it shows you how limited he is as a passer. Um, and I think everyone knows it. And he can still run the football, but it's just the passing game is it's the offense is just a little bit too one dimensional now. Um I would probably start playing uh, Chelba Purdy, just giving him more and more reps, which they did uh, this past weekend, letting him get his feet wet and trying to figure out what your plan is for next year. It's it's weird. It's a weird season. I don't know if it was Bud or somebody else that I saw online that was talking about Florida State. Like, how, what do you take from this season? And it is hard to take. Like, it's just a weird year. You know, there have been glimpses where, but very few and far between of, hey, there have been some bright spots. So I think it's almost to the point now where you treat this season as like an exhibition and you just start practicing, treat them all as getting guys work and repetition. Yeah. Ever since the North Carolina win, it's 48 to 16 against Louisville and then 41 to 17 against Pitt on the road at NC state this weekend, which is a, is that the Bailey Hawkman revenge game? (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh. Everywhere you turn, (laughs) NC State. Sorry, I'm making some notes right here. I think it's uh, seven and a half (laughs) or eight, which I don't know. That might be one way to hop on the Wolfpack, the way Florida State has been playing. We were talking in the 24-7 slack, though. Uh, Take Dave Doran as a favorite at your own risk. Hmm. That's That's a little bit of a scary spot, both sides, but... Oh man, I think it's I such. I, but this year is such a wash for Florida State. It really right. is because right. there was so much that was shortened. You know, Norvell had a short. You know, getting hired late. You know, like with a shortened off season, no spring practice. It's just it's weird. So this is one where you truly do. I think you truly just get a COVID pass. I think you should use it as such. That's what I think. Like you, know, you obviously want to try to win, but I think that's the way that the, the main takeaway should be. How long do these have to be? <laughs> The, the to go. Oh, that's, to that's the, <laughs> you, you might just <laughs> you might just need to just like uh, drive right through the pickup line and just keep on rolling next. Like just, I don't. You could just say no comment next week if you want to. <laughs> yeah, d- depending on how things go, uh, especially yeah, if the see. especially if the quarterback transfer quarterback revenge principle plays out, because 
I, I think it might actually be the theme of all my locks. I think we, we will only be taking back transfer quarterbacks against their old teams. We'll see. That makes though. me wonder if those are the only ones this weekend now. Like no, what I'm, else is out there? I actually was just like, I, I was just looking up to see if Duke was going to be playing Clemson at any point. Right. <laughs> that would be is the gutsy. Northwestern. Like yeah. The, there are some other options out there. On it, the the gutsiest test of my principal would be Chase Bryce in the Blue Devils against the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, reminder that if you want to see any see any of these episodes, they're all available on YouTube. You go to youtube.com slash cover three. Give us a subscribe while you're there. All of the episodes are also available in the CBS Sports app on your OTT device. That means an Apple TV, Roku, anything like that uh, right there. Just scroll on down. You'll see cover three podcasts. You can watch full episodes for that multi-platform excellence. Now coming up later in the week, we'll have a mailbag episode. And then of course our locks and our instant reaction. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. Follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fennell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, sir. Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.